Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to dominate your career, then you are in the right place. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And Monica Marquez, ex-Googler, diversity expert, and senior corporate leader. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Welcome to the Beyond Barriers Habits and Hacks show. Have you ever experienced temporary paralysis when you're faced with a difficult decision and you don't know what to do? How do you handle those situations? What's your go-to state? Fight, flight, or freeze? Well, on today's show, you'll learn exactly how to assess your risks and make decisions with confidence and certainty with powerful habits and hacks. So today marks a special day for us. It's been three months since Beyond Barriers was launched. So Nikki, let's start with you. You're a serial entrepreneur who has launched multiple businesses. What were some of the unique challenges you faced with Beyond Barriers? Well, it's called COVID-19. <laughs> yes. I don't think I've ever faced that challenge in launching any other business before. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, or frankly, for that matter, even if you're in a corporate career and mm-hmm. you're taking on a new job. Right. There is a set of experiences and tools that you take with you mm-hmm. from one experience to the next. And that's the foundation you have to build upon. And mm-hmm. so in my case, I had the entrepreneurial experience and confidence of having had successes in the past. Um, I had a network of people and relationships that I could draw upon mm-hmm. that would help me uh, find my way through a new challenge. And there was also perspective that was gained from uh, both difficult and good experiences all in all. Um, but there were also lots of new things I had to encounter in this right. situation because I was switching industries from having spent 20 years in the professional services and consulting industry, mm-hmm. doing work in the digital innovation space, to switching to an entirely new category that is based on media and tech and um, content driven. So it was a whole different industry that where influence mattered a lot right. more. It also changed the business model from what I was used to of primarily focusing on enterprise customers and Fortune 500 clients mm-hmm. to not only serving Fortune 500 clients, but also having a direct-to-consumer offering. So that was entirely new. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, um, also switching locations, moving to a new location, right. having to build up a local network locally. And then, of course, when you're dealing with a new kind of business model and new industry, you also have to recruit people with uh, talent with the specific skills you need for this space. So that was new for me because if I don't know the industry, it's quite a unique challenge to be able to find not only the right people, know where they are, (laughs) know how to find Mm -hmm. them, but also to know how to assess the quality of their craft and then Mm -hmm. be able to attract them. So that was a whole new challenge in Um, that I did not have to face before because my previous businesses in some way were 
sort of correlated. So mm-hmm. I knew the network of people I could right. draw from. And here was an entirely different industry of saying, okay, where do I find someone that's an amazing producer of this kind? Where do I find the great writers? Where do I find right. excellent coaches and all of that? So recruiting became actually a pretty big challenge and having good judgment mm-hmm. and being able to make the right bets was a challenge. And then on a personal level, um, working with my spouse, <laughs> you know, but I'd never had to do that before. Mm-hmm. So as, uh, you know, interesting and new as this experience has been working with <laughs> you, Monica, but that was a new experience altogether, right. which mm-hmm. I'd never done before, but across the board, across all of this newness, hands down, the thing that was unique about this company mm-hmm. launch uh, was launching the business in the midst of the pandemic. Um, I, I still remember three months ago announcing to the world that Beyond Barriers was born and all right. the pomp and circumstance and the excitement mm-hmm. of a brand new company launch. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a company that's founded on a very big mission of uh, wanting to close the gender gap by helping women rise up faster. Mm-hmm. A really big vision of reaching women around the world and empowering them with the tool set mindset and skill set for success. And um, also a very unique approach of solving that problem, taking a very data-driven, right. assessment-based, high-performance training platform mm-hmm. that helps women professionals breakthrough barriers, but also helps large corporations uh, develop a more diverse and inclusive and innovative workforce that's ready for the future of work. That's a very unique approach that didn't really exist. And we were bringing that to the table. So, you know, when you have this kind of big mission, big vision, um, and a breakthrough business Mm -hmm. concept, there's, uh, it's really important that you know what you're doing and you have all the right foundation in place. And for the months leading up to the launch, you know, you know, I mean, we had done a tremendous amount of planning and preparation. Mm -hmm. We had built the right technology platform. We had built um, all the right assets and elements in place, Mm -hmm. a killer team and uh, just so much anticipation uh, to determine, you know, well, what are some of the roadblocks we're likely to face? You know, how do we create a plan B, C, and D. Right, to, all the contingency plans. <laughs> all the contingency plans right. so that everything is in place. I mean, this is a really bold idea and mm-hmm. we're going to go in big. So we bet the farm on it. You know, right. we uh, we knew that if we uh, just went in with the right approach, that success was inevitable. So there was a tremendous amount of optimism leading up to the launch and post-launch. Mm-hmm. I mean, people were excited. We, we very quickly... Um, brought in a lot of opportunities, but what we never anticipated or could have anticipated right. was a crisis of this scale. Exactly. Literally two weeks after launch, um, you know, the pandemic shut down the world as we know it. Um, COVID-19 brought the entire world to a standstill. I mean, this was exactly two weeks after our public launch. Mm-hmm. And within 24 hours, we lost every deal in the pipeline and every dollar of revenue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, much like anyone else in the situation, I mean, I definitely went through a 24 hour cycle of <laughs> yes, panic and anxiety mm-hmm. and, and fear and wondering what happens next. Right. But, um, I think 
being trained and knowing how to navigate through crisis in the past mm-hmm. prepared me well to know how to deal with this one, even right. though it was a new kind of crisis. The muscle memory of knowing how to navigate through crisis helps you figure out how to manage yourself right. and how to lead your team and how to come up with um, the alternative path because a crisis isn't going away. What right. do you need to do that's different? Um, and at that point, assessing the risk and figuring out what decisions need to be made. Mm-hmm. So first part about assessing the risk was realizing that you know, even though at that point, only a two-week social distancing guideline was given, it was pretty clear that that social distancing guideline was going to be extended way beyond the initial two mm-hmm, weeks. Right. Likely it might go on for months. Well, if that went on for months, that's going to have a huge impact on business spending and employment and frankly, consumer confidence. Right. It would change how people felt about things, what they needed, what they wanted. It would change what businesses were willing to uh, support mm-hmm. and uh, what kind of services they would or products that they would buy. And so for a company whose entire business model was based on some level of live interaction, right? You know, it was mm-hmm. whether it was on stage uh, keynotes or it was live conferences, uh, workshops and seminars, or even on campus training and, and sending expert coaches right. <laughs> to those campuses. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a level of live interaction that was very much part of the entire business model. So what is a business that is dependent on live interaction do in a world that requires shelter in place? Right. I mean, that was a <laughs> fundamental question uh-huh. to ask is, do you hope for the best that this virus magically disappears right. overnight and you can go back to your old business model? Do you wait it out and see how much worse it gets and then respond? Mm-hmm. Or do you get proactive and rethink everything you're willing to shatter the right. model you launch with and reimagine a whole new future? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really proud of how we all rallied around exactly. the challenge. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't have to convince anyone on the team. I, mm-hmm. I was uh, really thrilled that, and we all had the same response of, look, let's just imagine that the worst case scenario, let's imagine right. this continues for a long time, maybe 18 months of disruption. What would we do that creates massive value in the world? How would we serve mm-hmm. our um, our um, audience? How would we serve uh, the people that we want to empower? And how would we truly live our mission and not let the pandemic interrupt that or put it on hold or potentially shut it down. Right. Mm-hmm. And so coming out of that with a brilliant new business model, right. That was based on virtual experiences and digital content and delivery that was based on more intelligent technology platforms, really turning out to build the Netflix of training mm-hmm. <laughs> and to uh, do it in a way that was even more scalable and more sustainable, frankly, led to a much, much, much better business model that made the company more profitable and sustainable for the long haul, delivers even greater value to our uh, clients and uh, helps us live our mission on a much bigger scale. That's ultimately what came out of that. Mm -hmm. And the fact that over the last 
a few weeks, we've been able to not only pivot to that new model, but rapidly execute and launch and relaunch effectively exactly. what has become an entirely new business with the same brand name. Uh, it's it's pretty phenomenal to have that uh, outcome from this. And what that reveals to me is that crisis can unlock innovation, right. but it's important not to have your innovation dependent on a crisis because you won't always be that lucky mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, that innovation is going to happen at the right time. So it's important to constantly have that mindset of disrupting yourself before you get disrupted. And I think this is true for businesses and this is equally true for individuals. Keep pushing yourself and thinking about what next. How could you do something better? How could you do something entirely differently? Don't wait for something like a pandemic to come at you sideways and disrupt your plans. Think about how you might do it yourself so you can get to an entirely higher level of contribution and impact. Absolutely. And I think what you said key about disrupting yourself immediately. I think we as a team knew that disruption was inevitable. And so why don't we get ahead of it and disrupt yourself and get ahead of that and innovate as quickly as possible and anticipate. And I think it was those real habits um, of doing the worst case scenario and planning for the worst rather than waiting in, and seeing what a lot of, you know, what a lot of people or what we typically try to do of wait and see and we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Instead, we were like, no, let's race across the bridge and be able to be prepared for when that disruption actually does come to fruition. So I think that was the mindset that we all uh, adopted. And I think that's, that was the beauty of, um, it, it was really exciting to say, okay, we're pivoting and we're ahead. And there's nothing better than that feeling of like, I'm ahead of the curve. I'm ahead of the curve. It builds mm -hmm. it tremendous confidence. Well, it, oftentimes we're afraid of letting go of mm -hmm. the things that we've got so much attachment to. Right. In our case, we had built up a certain concept and a vision and a business model based on months of work. Mm -hmm. So to let go of that in two days. Mm hmm set it on fire and <laughs> create something entirely new. There is a sense of grief or loss that can come about. From right. That. Mm -hmm. But when we grieve the way things used to be, we're not, we're forgetting that we might end up celebrating what new might come out of it. Right. That perhaps we might love our new life and the new version of us even more than what we were attached to in the past. Exactly. So I think having that perspective to say, don't be afraid to let go because mm -hmm. there's potentially something more beautiful, more exciting, more meaningful that's waiting for you. You just have to trust in that constant desire to keep moving forward and not be attached and held back by what used to be. Right. So I'm curious about you, Monica. I mean, mm -hmm. you spent 20 years with some of the world's leading companies and senior leadership roles and um, had a very, very pedigreed corporate career. Mm -hmm. Most people would never think about leaving that kind of uh, experience and switching lanes to an entrepreneurial path. Right. And yet you've done that and that too in the midst of a pandemic. So right. I'm curious about what was um, what was unique for you in this um, experience? What, what, how would you describe your overall experience? Gosh, I feel like 
that happened light years ago, <laughs> given the pandemic. But I think for me, the biggest challenges that I found unique that maybe I wasn't anticipating was having to manage all of my fears and limiting beliefs um, that keep and I will say with the word keep resurfacing where, um, you know, just really thinking in moments like the pandemic, do I have it in me? Do I have it in me to figure this out um, and to stand on my own two feet? Um, because I was so used to and had the experience of going through certain, you know, a crisis and pulling your team together and rallying your team together and giving them the North Star. Mm -hmm. But I realized that I was in organizations that had really strong foundations mm -hmm. and it they could weather the storm. And so there was a little bit of that, you know, you taking for granted that, okay, we're going to weather this, we're going to come out okay. So there was this little bit of confidence of like, okay, I just need to steer my team. I need to remain calm and help them get through the crisis. Being on your own with your own company in a startup and being so brand new, like a couple of weeks old when this whole pandemic took place, there are moments of fear of like, oh my gosh, I don't have that strong foundation to stand on anymore. I'm just standing on my you own. Have no foundation. You have no foundation. What do you do? So it was, you know, those types of things where thinking to myself, am I enough? Can I, can I do this? Am I significant enough? Do I have the credibility? Do I have the wherewithal enough to be Monica without the at sign? Mm -hmm. um, can I do this? And I had to really dig deep and leverage and remind myself of the questions of, you know, reminding myself, I have the competencies, I have the skill sets, I have the aptitude to, mm -hmm. to move forward, to navigate this. Um, and so really having to play back of, you know, moments where I was proud of myself of how I MacGyvered something, or how I was able <laughs> yeah. to pivot and really just embrace that part of me that I knew that, you know, I, I'm pretty resilient. I usually can figure things out with a paperclip and a rubber band. And so <laughs> that's all I have at this moment. So let me, let me figure this out. Let's put our heads together and let's just move forward. And so I really do feel like, you know, through this pandemic, it has given me a newfound confidence that hell yes, I can get through anything. And even when things are unknown, you go back to that core of what is your superpower that has helped you get through all challenges, no matter what, and then really just leverage that backbone and say, okay, I right now don't know what's coming, but I'm going to anticipate and I'm going to forecast and I'm going to think about worst case scenario so that when it does come, I'm prepared and I can just tackle it, just take it by the horns and give it a good fight. And knowing that in the end, I'm going to be proud of wherever I land because I, I put my, put my fists up and said, okay, bring it on. Let's, yeah. let's take it on. Well, I have to say it's been absolutely fascinating watching your transformation. Uh, when we met, you were still very much a corporate executive. In fact, the buttoned up, you know, suited, <laughs> booted, very uptight corner office kind of corporate executive. So to see you not only shed your skin, but step into this entirely new unknown space with so much uncertainty mm -hmm. and the universe wanted to challenge you even more by throwing in a pandemic in the midst of that right. to see how you step up. Um, but to see you uh, recognize your own worth mm -hmm. that Monica, without the ad sign, the big brand mm -hmm. name, the big global recognition, the massive resources, right. the big departments of 
teams and talent that was available to you, how can you create success mm -hmm. despite all of that or not having any of that? Um, it's been fascinating to see that, mm -hmm. to see how you've gone from certainly a level of self-doubt and imposter syndrome at the beginning right. to realizing actually you don't even have the luxury of having imposter syndrome <laughs> right now because you just got to execute. Exactly. You can keep questioning yourself and going in circles mm -hmm. or you can, like you said, you know, find that paper clip and, uh, you know, uh, uh, pencil and like figure out how to find a solution mm -hmm. and MacGyver your way to uh, whatever needs to get done. And it's been absolutely awe-inspiring watching you not only uh, peel off layers of yourself, mm -hmm. but come into your own and really shine and bring the best of yourself to the table for uh, the for our clients, for our audience, for the business, and for our team. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. But I'm curious because you as a leader have, you know, and being a serial entrepreneur who's been successful and gone through kind of the ups and the downs, um, you know, you have this amazing poker face of remaining calm and keeping us all calm. But I really am curious to understand what recurring barriers are you personally facing and, and how do you constantly overcome them? And then, you know, because you do help steer the ship in a very calm fashion, but I know you've got to be dealing with a lot of these, these barriers that present themselves. Yeah, I would say most of the barriers that I would say probably most leaders face mm -hmm. tends to be more around our mindset mm -hmm. as opposed to skill set. Because mm -hmm. if you're growth oriented, you're going to keep mastering new skills and new competencies and gain the experience and mm -hmm. um, develop better judgment over time. But the part that you have to be actively aware of mm -hmm. is your own mindset because there is, uh, it requires constant training. Mm -hmm. You know, if you allow your um, mind or your emotions to overpower you, then you, you lose grip of the circumstance that, mm -hmm. and, and the responsibilities that you bear. So in my case, I think the recurring challenge, um, that I've personally faced is, um, one about, being mindful of growing myself ahead of the problems that the mm. business or the organization might face. Mm -hmm. And despite being someone who's highly growth oriented and constantly learning and developing, at the end of the day, your business grows based on the size of problems it solves. So for mm -hmm. example, if you are a business that solves problems for, let's say, 100 people, mm -hmm that have $100 problems, mm -hmm. that's the size of your problem. You're probably a local neighborhood business, right. local mm -hmm. small business. If you're solving a problem for a million people mm -hmm. around the world that have $1,000 problems, that's the size of your business. Right. If you want to solve problems for a billion people that have $100,000 problems, that is the size of your right. business. So okay. really the scale of your business is proportional to the size of the problems you face. Mm -hmm. But to face bigger problems as the leader or as the CEO, you have to learn how to master the skill set, the mindset, and the tool set to be someone who can overcome mm -hmm. problems at that level and be ahead of them. Right. Because if you're not, 
then those problems will overpower you and your organization. Right. And you'll be stuck at a lower level. Mm -hmm. So if you have a big vision, then you have to solve bigger problems. Mm -hmm. And to solve bigger problems, you need to develop yourself ahead of that. Right. Um, It reminds me of an experience from several years ago where I was dealing with a, a particular business challenge and I was at risk of um, losing, I think it was about, I don't know, $400,000 or something like that in the business and mm-hmm. um, a particular risk that I was facing. And I remember having a conversation with my mentor mm-hmm. and I was really upset. And you know, I kept telling him <laughs> about how, you know, I've worked so hard and my team is doing so much. And I can't believe that we could possibly lose something of this level. And, you know, I'm just really mad about the whole situation. And he looked at me very calmly and he said, your problems aren't big enough. And at first I was really pissed when he said that because I was thinking, where's your empathy? I mean, I'm coming to you as your mentee, wanting to get some guidance, mm-hmm. wanting to get some advice on how I can navigate through this difficult circumstance. I don't know who else to go to. And your only response to me is your problems aren't big enough. And, um, but when he explained what he meant by that, it was like a light bulb going off for me because he mm. said, do you want to be the kind of leader who's stumped and overwhelmed with a $400,000 problem? Or do you want to be the kind of leader who is ready to take on a $400 million problem or mm. a $400 billion problem, right. right? So what kind of leader do you want to be? You have to make a decision about that because if you make a decision that I will deal with a problem at this level, mm-hmm. Then just figure out how you're going to prepare yourself, figure out how you're going to bring in the resources that you need, figure mm-hmm. out how you're going to rally your team, figure out how you're going to, you know, find a solution, but make a decision of mm-hmm. what level of a problem are you committed to solving. And I think that's ultimately the recurring barrier for me mm-hmm. is constantly making that decision to say, wow, you know, gosh, this was a hard problem. And Mm -hmm. for that moment, allowing myself to get stumped Mm -hmm. by it or feeling rather unprepared and then reminding myself of that line, Mm -hmm. are my problems big enough? Am Mm -hmm. I solving problems that are big enough? Right. And what decision am I making about who I need to be in order to be ahead of those problems? Right. It kind of reminds me of when people say, don't sweat the small stuff. So what about you, Monica? What uh, recurring barriers do you personally face and how have you been overcoming them? So for me, I think in this new experience of being an entrepreneur, the um, recurring barriers that I'm dealing with is boundaries, setting mm-hmm. boundaries. I never realized, and I think I took for granted that growing up in the corporate world, there are already some predisposed boundaries that are set for you, right? Your start time, your end time, yeah. like, you know, the traditional nine to five, nine to six, or whatever that may be, the occasional, you know, working till seven or eight. But there's a point where you go home and you punctuate and, and you work Monday through and you Friday, work Monday through Friday, et cetera. Now, I knew being an entrepreneur was hard and witnessing it firsthand, seeing you how hard you worked. But, oh, my gosh, days run into <laughs> into weeks, into months where, you know, you realize that you do need some healthy level of punctuation. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not careful, personal and professional will blend 
And you, you know, even though we enjoy what we're doing and we're so excited about getting things, you know, launched and pivoting, you find yourself, you know, working from, you know, the crack of dawn till, you know, dusk. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if you're not careful, you, it, it can, you know, just breed exhaustion and, and then it, it, takes away from your creativity and working with your spouse, you can get a little grumpy (laughs) and all of those things. So I think for me, it was that, you know, learning to create those boundaries and I'm still struggling with it. And, and part of it, you know, I remind myself we are pivoting in the midst of this pandemic. So there is going to be that extra level of, you know, um, urgency. And I think urgency is the other kind of um, barrier that has been recurring for me is that, I realize that in a corporate space, in a corporate setting, sometimes we um, are a little bit, you know, not so urgent uh, because these organizations that you work for sometimes are big enough to where, you know, even if you have to push out a deadline by a couple of weeks or a month or so, it's not the, the going to be the end of the organization. Um, you know, yes, people will be upset or whatnot, but in a small startup, Deadlines are hard and fast deadlines. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you, you learn quickly that if you don't meet that deadline, that means that, you know, you don't get the revenue. There's not food on the table. And so a deadline that you might have set for Friday is like, okay, well, if I meet that deadline, then there'll be food on the table on Friday. Um, but if I have to push it out to Sunday, well, I'm going to have to, you know, stretch and wait until Sunday. And so I, I realized that sense of urgency that when I, when we set a deadline of Friday, the idea really is to solve it yesterday. Uh, and so pushing <laughs> well, that it's, deadline it's up. It's not just about sense of urgency. Uh, it's also about efficiency. Right. You know, in the large organization, there are um, plenty of resources that mm-hmm. you can tap into. Whereas in a startup, you really don't have that luxury. And so the need for efficiency mm-hmm. of how you solve a problem, when you solve a problem, and taking the shortest path to solving the problem becomes critically important mm-hmm. because in the absence of that, you're really battling against survival. Exactly. Exactly. So for me, that level of urgency is something that I have found a newfound respect for and really redefining what urgency means. That urgency means that, you know, it, it impacts immediately food on the table for you, but not just for you, for everybody in the organization or on your team because you're so small. So everybody's being impacted and it just creates a, a, a compounded level of urgency. And so I think for me, that's something that I'm always constantly having to remind myself. So now that you have all these epiphanies and realizations going down a different path, what do you wish you had known when you started out in your career? So I think for me, thinking of thinking back on my corporate career and when I was young and and starting out, um, I think I have have I would challenge myself or I would have looked for the courage to ask why sooner mm-hmm. and and challenge the status quo sooner and maybe not just the status quo of the organization, but my own status quo of challenging myself and asking me why, why am I not, you know, taking this leap or doing things um, or challenging myself sooner. So I think for me, it was more around um, asking why sooner and challenging um, just having the courage to do so. I mean, I think I found myself being that young, naive person who kind of just accepted 
um, what was, you know, what either tradition was or what, you know, just um, someone's, you know, deferring to someone's preference or, um, you know, was it, you know, it was a requirement and I took it as a given opposed to really kind of challenging the, the why and really, you know, pushing myself to, uh, forward. And I think I didn't, I didn't gain that courage until I became more of a seasoned leader where you feel like you have a little bit more clout or you've earned, um, the ability to ask the question mm -hmm. why, but then thinking about, well, when you're young and you're curious and when you're a child and you're, you know, you're a child and you keep asking why, asking why, asking why, it makes people, it makes you think. And sometimes it changes the trajectory of things. And I ask myself, if I would have had the courage to ask why much sooner in my career, where would I, where would it have taken me? Could it have changed that trajectory? And mm -hmm. I think, um, now, you know, I'm always asking that question why maybe, to, <laughs> maybe, maybe to, to, you know, and imposing challenges. But, um, I think it's, it goes along the lines of disrupting yourself, disrupting, yeah. disrupting the status quo, um, and disrupting yourself before you get disrupted. So always asking, why am I doing it this way? Could we be doing it differently? Mm -hmm. And I find that, you know, now, you know, wearing my entrepreneur hat, that question of why is extremely powerful. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So I'd love to turn that question back to you, Nikki. I'm, I'm curious to know, what did you wish you'd known when you'd started out in your career? I think it's a epiphany and a breakthrough that I had uh, probably about 10 years ago that mm -hmm. still serves me well that I wish I'd known right at the beginning, which is to dream bigger mm -hmm. and um, recognizing the power of your dreams and the size of your dreams really define your destiny. Mm -hmm. When I was first starting out, I think there was a part of me that accepted convention mm -hmm. and accepted the norm mm -hmm. that this is what it takes for everybody else to get to this level or um, this level of impact or income or influence. You know, there was an accepted standard. Mm -hmm. And I just complied and um, sort of believed that that was the only way and the only path that was possible. Mm -hmm. And then 10 years ago, in a series of personal and professional breakthroughs that happened for me, I let go of that and I learned to truly dream bigger mm -hmm. and push myself beyond even my biggest dreams to <laughs> sort of, you know, um, push every level of invisible ceiling and imagine an entirely alternate reality. And what I, what came out of that was exponential growth, mm -hmm. exponential success and exponential transformation of my own self, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's my vision of myself, my confidence, my ability to impact other people, all of that changed exponentially from the time that I learned to dream bigger. Mm -hmm. And my lesson from that, and really what the evidence of success has proven to me, is that it's, um, that it's important that you don't let what you think is possible mm -hmm. get in the way of what is achievable. Mm, yeah. So I learned not to be reasonable, you know? <laughs> that I'm not going to accept conventional wisdom. I'm not going to accept um, the answer that this is the way it, it's always been, or this is the only way it can be mm -hmm. to shatter those myths and misbeliefs mm -hmm. and to simply pursue what 
I truly believe in and to dream bigger than what I think is possible at that mm-hmm. point in time and stay relentlessly focused on it because what my own journey has proven to myself is every single time I have a big dream and there's a part of me that wonders if that's possible, time goes by and that dream is achieved. Mm-hmm. And then all I can think of is I wish my dreams were even bigger. <laughs> so now I've learned to challenge even my biggest dreams and say, why not even bigger? Mm-hmm. You know, The only thing that matters in that big dream is that you have a reason that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. Don't chase it just for the size of it. Right. But if it has meaning to you, if it has, um, if your driver is the right one, then mm-hmm. don't be afraid of being unreasonable. Right. So challenging yourself always to push, push that dream. And I remember the first time you asked me, what are your dreams? And I remember you telling me, okay, scratch that out and make it bigger. And I remember thinking that was such, so daunting. Like, what do you mean make it bigger? But I realized it's because you were, I was setting a bar that I was comfortable with mm-hmm. and, and then having to get used to being, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable helps you dream bigger and, and, and achieve bigger things. So, well, we also tend to negotiate with ourselves to mm-hmm. say, well, you know, I don't want to take on something so big and unknown and daunting that I'm going to fail. Mm-hmm. So you start to uh, diminish your own potential and what is possible for you down to the least common denominator. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that threshold, that bar is so low that yes, on one hand, you're going to cross over it. Right. But on the other hand, you didn't stretch yourself in right. any way. Mm-hmm. You know, so by making the bar so low, you're not operating at the highest standards and you can't be outstanding if your standards aren't high. Exactly. Fantastic. So I have a question for you about um, your profession. You know, you've been in the diversity and inclusion space and uh, whether you've done it at a corporate environment or now from an entrepreneurial mm-hmm. journey of taking a different approach to mm-hmm. making the world more inclusive. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Ah, that's a great question. And to be quite honest, I'm right in the middle of it. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, I remember when I was contemplating making the jump and making the leap and thinking about, you know, what we were going to create with Beyond Barriers. I mean, for me, it felt like it was the the best of all the different um um, I want to say both worlds, but it's more more than two worlds. I just remember thinking back in, you know, in my college career, one of the you know fondest memories I have was being a radio show morning host and interviewing people and gathering information and sharing and disseminating that information with you know listeners and all of that. And so for me, the Beyond Barriers podcast plays into that. And so though it's brought that back into you know the profession that I am experiencing now. And then thinking back in over the 20 years of my corporate career, you know, my love for um, the idea of inclusion and equity and creating programs that are helping helping underrepresented groups, you know, accelerate their success doing that, uh, you know, um, doing that with Beyond Barriers as well. And then I think realizing some of the most, I think, um, 
amazing days that I had at work were the mornings that you'd wake up knowing that I was going to facilitate and kind of execute that programming and, and roll it out to um, a particular group of people that, you know, engagement in that facilitation of the programming and that teaching aspect of it was something that I loved as well. So I think I've been able to marry all three of those um, things that I loved doing in this particular role. And so for that very reason, I think, you know, this is, this is exactly what I had always wanted to um, create. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that in, in essence through Beyond Barriers. So I'm exactly in the profession that I always dreamed of, I guess, um, of doing. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> So for you, I'd love I'd love to know that too. I mean, what profession other than the one that you're in right now would you like to attempt? Oh my gosh, I think for me, I am truly living my dream. Uh-huh. Um, this um, um, there's a Japanese term for it, uh, ikigai, and I think I found mine. So, so whoa, 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 ikigai. <laughs> um, help, help me, help define that for me. So for even our listeners, what ex- elaborate well, on that? It it, uh, it means reason for being. Ah, okay. And uh, it's when you find the thing that you are best at, mm-hmm. um, that you love doing, mm-hmm. and it creates value for other people. When you find that sweet spot, mm-hmm. and that becomes your reason for being, that is where. Achievement meets fulfillment. Mm. You know, you're then it's no longer a job. It's literally there's nothing else in the world you would um, invest your time doing at all. So for me, this is absolutely it, and it brings together everything that my life has led up to now. For from, um, I, I realize that so much of my um, true calling has been around incubating future ready mm-hmm. leaders. You know, that's the thing that I love the uh, most yes. is incubating leadership mm-hmm. is what I'm deeply passionate about. But I also have uh, a skill of 20 years of innovation mm-hmm. experience that being able to bring a very innovative approach to incubating leadership, mm-hmm. um, disrupting the traditional ways of doing that and bringing an entirely new approach of doing it. Um, that is intellectually very exciting. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, in terms of influencing policies, influencing um, corporations, mm-hmm. influencing um, our generally accepted conventional thinking, mm-hmm. that requires influencing, um, you know, the talent of influence of being able to uh, as an author or a speaker to be able to influence people. So I think the combination of um, incubating mm-hmm. future-ready leaders, innovating platforms and solutions to influencing um, the industry, I think all of that taps into my skills, my experience, my competencies, mm-hmm. my passions, and my deepest sense of purpose. So all of that coming together makes me feel like not only have I found my spot under the sun, but because this is the only path Mm -hmm. that um, success or failure become irrelevant, it is simply your ikigai to live this path, your reason for being. And so it it creates a tremendous sense of stillness Mm -hmm. and deepest sense of fulfillment to be able to 
um, have the privilege of doing this. That's fantastic. Ikigai. Okay. That's going to be, I'm, I'm going to borrow that. <laughs> Ikigai. I love it. Um, so one final question I have for you. Um, what is your favorite word? <laughs> uh, I think this one is Probably somewhat obvious. Uh, the, my favorite word is beyond uh, <laughs> because, um, you know, not only have I launched multiple brands that all start with beyond, but uh, for me, it's a way of life. Mm-hmm. It's a philosophy that I completely subscribe to, which is no matter what you do, you know, go above and beyond, mm-hmm. aspire to more because you are limitless. Mm-hmm. And, Whoever you are, you know, you can go beyond what you think is possible. In addition to that, no matter how you want to do things, um, go beyond, you know, the level of impact that you think uh, was possible. So for me, that mindset of going beyond, Mm -hmm. um, beyond the obvious answers, beyond the obvious solutions, beyond the accepted levels of performance Mm -hmm. and contribution um, beyond is a state of mind and a way of being for me. So that mm-hmm. is definitely my favorite word. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Beyond. Okay. <laughs> what about you? What's your favorite word? So my favorite word I would have to say is MacGyver. <laughs> um, because I, I live it and I'm, I'm finding that in this current, you know, environment and with this, you know, pandemic, with this new challenge of being an entrepreneur, that that superpower of mine that I love to embrace, the MacGyver in me, is giving me that confidence to push forward through any of those challenges. So MacGyver is definitely my favorite word. Well, you definitely live it. And yes. I can attest to that. <laughs> yes. Awesome. So let's share with our audience a couple of habits or hacks in, on assessing risk and making decisions with confidence and certainty. Because over the past three months, we've shown how we've leveraged these habits and hacks to make some of these decisions and pivot, um, you know, our our business plan, etc. So what are those? Share them. Yeah, I, I think for anyone that is feeling stuck, feeling either uh, fight, flight, or freeze, um, to get unstuck from the situation, um, you have to uh, figure out how to assess the risk you're facing as mm-hmm. opposed to being fearful of the risk and then being in a complete state of inertia. So here are some questions to ask yourself that will help you uh, overcome that inertia. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, be very clear about what decision are you struggling to make. And why this matters is, Framing the problem is really, really important before mm-hmm. you even begin to solve the problem. Mm, right. So in all of the stories we just shared in this episode, we face similar, you know, a variety of challenges, but it was really important to figure out what is the one decision we were struggling to make. Is right. it a question of um, keep going, keep or shut down? Is it the question of what kind of business do we want to be in? Is it a question mm-hmm. of you know, how long can we survive? Be clear about the ultimate decision that you're struggling to make. Take Mm -hmm. the time to frame the problem correctly, because once you frame the problem, then the answers and the solutions will come a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we come up with um, ineffective solutions because we didn't frame the problems correctly. Right. So the first part of assessing risk or assessing your situation is frame the problem. Um, Next is... You know, once you frame the problem, 
consider what are your available options, you know, come up with more creative solutions, because Mm -hmm. if you think there's only one way to do it, you've boxed boxed yourself into a corner, right? If you think you have only two options, now it's like an on off switch, right? Right. (laughs) Like one extreme or the one extreme or the other. Mm -hmm. But if you come up with three or four or five or six or 10 options for you to take, now you've got so many different paths you could take. Mm -hmm. And you can get really creative in terms of what works best for you, what's ultimately most feasible Mm -hmm. and so forth. Right. And um, then you can look at every single option and consider, you know, what's the upside or the downside and what can you ultimately live with Mm -hmm. that um, suits your uh, situation or suits your circumstance. So making a more informed decision Mm -hmm. that you've evaluated holistically, Mm -hmm. come up with a lot of options, and most importantly, that you're solving the right problem that needs to be solved. That's really key. So hopefully this helps you get out of being stuck and Mm -hmm. feeling frozen and actually helps you assess your risks and make decisions with confidence and certainty. Fantastic. Okay, everyone, here's your homework for the week. Pick one habit or hack and take action today. And don't forget to share what you did on our Beyond Barriers Facebook group so that we can celebrate you. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode. Thanks for listening. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com, where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode. And be sure to take the quiz on the website. Your score will tell you where you are, what helps you gain momentum, and what holds you back. You'll also get a free guide with cutting-edge career strategies. We'd also love to hear from you. Share your comments and topic suggestions on IamBeyondBarriers.com and we'll be sure to address them in future episodes. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and rate the podcast or just tell a friend about it. See you next episode.